If you take your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Acts chapter 6. I want to remind us real quick from the scriptures uh, about what we're doing tonight and why we're doing it. Acts chapter 6. This is a place, if you're familiar with it, is uh, really the first instance in the history of the church where deacons were chosen out. Even though they are not formally called deacons here, we see them serving that role in this passage. The church is under attack already here in the book of Acts. It's, uh, it's under attack from without and from within. Uh, from within, in, the, in Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira had lied to the Holy Spirit and the apostles had been imprisoned, and now there's an attack again in Acts chapter 6. Some of the apostles were imprisoned in chapter 5 um, and beaten. But in chapter 6, we find here complaints arising within the body. And this is another way in which the church, find, church finds itself under attack. And this is how they dealt with it in Acts 6 says, Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. Hellenists is the Greek-speaking Jews. Because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. And the serving tables there is really kind of literally what the word deacon means. It means one who waits on tables, serves tables. Number, verse 3, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But... We will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So we see that the apostles were going to stay focused on prayer and the ministry of the word. The, the men that were chosen out, and they gave the number of seven here, were men who would wait tables. They would serve those who were in need, and particularly here the distribution of the the daily distribution, verse 5. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. A proselyte is someone who's converted to the Jewish faith. They have proselytized to been proselytized to the to the to the Jewish faith verse 6 whom they set before the apostles and when they had prayed they laid hands on them all right and then we see in verse 7 then the word of god spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. I feel like my mic's just a little bit high, just down, just a touch. Um, <clears throat> so as we look at this in verse 6, this contains part of what we're doing tonight. Because uh, men have been chosen out from among the church, and every name that was turned in uh, was, was not selected to serve 
as a deacon, but four of the men who were who were um, nominated, selected by the church, are the four that we desire to appoint to that office. There are various reasons why others were not uh, chosen or selected for that, but after reviewing the names given, the elders and the um, current deacons reviewing those names, these are the four men that were um, selected for that. And the four are Kevin Cannon, Jacob Colby, uh, Seth Butler, and then Les Wiggins be coming back on as a deacon. Okay. Now you see there in verse six that they laid hands on them. And in a little while, we'll be praying as a church. And then we'll go from that time of prayer as a church to the ordained men praying for these men as they get ready to go into this uh, this position of deacon. Now, if you go over in your Bibles to Acts chapter 13, <clears throat> I want to show you here another instance of uh, ordination or being appointed, laying on of hands. This is where a group of prophets and teachers in chapter 13, verse 1, were together in Antioch. And then in verse 2, it says, as they ministered, Acts 13, verse 2, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Uh, So this is a special work, Barnabas and Saul. Verse 3, then having fasted and prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Now, this isn't the office of deacon. I'm only presenting this to you as another example in the church where the church leadership would lay hands on men who were called to a certain task before they went and performed that task. Now, if you would, go with me to 1 Timothy 1 Timothy, and in 1 Timothy chapter 3, I'm going to read quickly through the qualifications for a deacon that are found here. I'll comment on them probably as we work our way through them, but I will try not to say too much about them. In 1 Timothy 3 verse 8, Uh, This is following on the qualifications of an overseer or a bishop, elder, pastor. In verse 8, it says, Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. Verse 10, but let these also first be tested. Then let them serve as deacons being found blameless. All right, let's stop there for just a second. The, uh, those qualifications found in verse 8 are probably pretty clear. These men are serious and reverent. They're, they walk in the fear of the Lord. And in verse 9, when it comes to their salvation, 
There is not a doubt about that in their own minds, but they hold the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience, the hidden truth of the faith. And that the faith there, when you see the uh, word the in front of it, it's speaking about most of the time the the faith, the gospel of Jesus Christ and believing in that gospel, the faith. And uh, these men are not those who waver in that, but they hold it, the mystery of the faith, with a pure conscience within themselves. Now, the testing time is always going on. And uh, as men are living out their lives before the church, that time of testing is really always happening. And not only does it happen always, but then after men are selected, there is a time of direct testing where they are spoken to about from the elders and deacons, asked questions to make sure that, that they are sound, to make sure that we as a body of leaders will be of one mind and of one spirit and be able to strive together for the faith of the gospel. So, does it always work out perfectly? No, but that is the goal in this. And then we go over to verse 11. He here addresses the wives. And to all of the wives of the men who will be serving, uh, understand that this passage does speak about you. Likewise, he says, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, not, uh, let's see, what's another, malicious gossips, temperate, these women are not high strung, faithful in all things. When it comes to the life of the church and their devotion to Christ, the wives of deacons are to be faithful in all things. That doesn't mean that they, the deacons, the men, or the wives are, are perfect individuals. They're all growing and striving, just like we all are. But those things which characterize them ought to be a reverence and a faithfulness. Verse 12, he goes on to say, Let deacons be the husbands of one wife ruling their children and their own houses well. When you look at a deacon's life, his, his home ought to be a home that is in order. If it is not in order, then there's no reason to think that he can order the church or help order the church. So when you look at his home life, he rules his children and his own house well. Now, we uh, talked about this a while back, about being the husbands of one wife. And we determined that this is not speaking about polygamy, having more wife than one, because that would be something foreign to the church. The New Testament church did, at, did not have church members that were polygamists. And also, we put aside the argument that this means that a man could not have possibly been divorced, been divorced or been married more than once. Because if you take this phrase literally, just like it says, then it would mean that a man whose wife had died and he remarried could not serve as a deacon. 
because he has had more than one wife. Now, what it does mean and what we would conclude is that it means that he is a man who is faithful to his wife. He is not a man of many women, but he is a man of one woman. He is, as it literally would say, a one woman man. And then we go to verse 13. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. There's a promise to serving well as a deacon. And men, I want you to hear this tonight. Those of you who serve as deacons here at New Life Baptist Church. Know that this promise that the Lord sets forth in His Word is a true promise. Those who serve well obtain a good standing and great boldness. Do we have any examples of this? I think to every man that I talk to, that we talk to, I reminded them of two individuals in the New Testament particularly who stand out here. Do you remember the list that we read in Acts 6? Stephen. He was a deacon. Does Stephen have a good standing in the church? Even to this day? Do you remember what happened to Stephen? He was martyred. The first Christian martyr. And what did he see when he was being stoned? Who did he see? What was Jesus doing? Standing at the right hand of God. He has a great standing. Did he have great boldness in the faith? He did. He stood amid opposition and those who hated the gospel and hated Jesus and he told them the truth. Then the other one that we have as an example is Philip. Does Philip have a good standing? He does. Now he didn't get himself I started to say get himself killed like, like Stephen did. Stephen just was faithful to the Lord. Philip, though, he lived on, had, I think, four daughters, and they were prophetesses. And he's known as Philip the what? Evangelist in the book of Acts. And he's the one who took the gospel to the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts, what is it, Acts chapter 8, 8 or 9. And the eunuch, came to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So he too has a good standing even to this day, and he too had great boldness in the faith. So men know that that promise is very real. Strive to obtain that promise that the Lord gives us. In in 1 Timothy 4, I'll show you just a couple more verses having to do with the ordination service. In verse 14 of 1 Timothy 4, Paul says to Timothy, even though Timothy was a pastor, I want you to see the significance of what we're about to do. Because he says to Timothy, do not neglect the gift. That is the same word that's used for spiritual gifts that we've been studying. Then neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. I can't explain this verse perfectly. 
or thoroughly or probably even satisfactorily. But during Timothy's ordination service, where the elders came around him and prayed and laid hands on him, apparently there was a prophetic word spoken about him. And it was a gift given to him in that time. And it was something that he was not to neglect. And then we can go over to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 6, and here we find that Timothy, struggling somewhat, being timid, the apostle reminds him in 2 Timothy 1.6, saying, Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So church, while this may just seem like a some sort of religious service or something that we're going through, I want you to view it biblically and perhaps view it as something more than that that's going on here tonight. For we do not know perhaps even exactly how the Lord would use the prayers that are prayed. And this entire event in the lives of these men and in the life of this church. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for your word that we have to not just lean on, Lord, but rely on. And Lord, as we continue to move through this service tonight, I pray you'll bless these men now as they share their testimonies with us, and then in a while, Father, as we pray and then lay hands on these men, uh, Lord, may this time be a time of blessing to you. And Father, I pray that we will be ministering to you through this time and that you would use it all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.